0: Right, Ricky Sanchez. Podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app. Use promo code RTRS. Brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And Adam Kasebe, that's K-S-E-B-E, the official realtor of The Process, serving you at the Delaware beaches and anywhere else at processrealtor.com. On the show today, big guest, huge guest, former Sixer, former Wizard, Former Cavalier, former Warrior, former a lot, the owner of the Larry Hughes Basketball Academy. That's right. Former Sixer, former Iverson backcourt mate, Larry Hughes. Uh, He is host, co-host of the Believe in Wizards podcast, um, a uh, a podcast about the team, the Wizards, not believing in actual Wizards. And he's here Um, to
1: ask us for advice. Yes. On how to about do a podcast, podcast about a bad team. He's
0: going to interview us. Mm-hmm. Um, but the emergency Sixers news, according to everyone, Brett Brown, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid, Ben playing power forward, Shake Milton start playing starting point guard in practice, unbelievable news. Just never thought it would happen, and here we are. Before we get going, the newsletter comes out Thursday, uh, the corner three with Zo. Go to slash newsletter There will be a 10% off coupon uh, for merch in there. So go and sign up for that. Uh, the DraftKings Hostage Orlando Sixers pool, free to play, 500 bucks to win. Go to rightsrickySanchez.com, and uh, and that's it. Um, without any further ado, Amos Bloody and the Chef. Sweetie. Welcome to the Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who has been starting at power forward literally since birth, Mike Levin.
1: That's right. You want want your power forward to be 5'11". If you want your point guard to be 6'10", you want your power forward to be
0: 5'11". Yes. Um, Well, here we are, Mike. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Now, it still remains to be seen whether the first game, Ben Simmons is listed as F with the name next to F. But they haven't hedged. And I think we would have guessed they would have slow played this in the beginning of uh, Orlando camp, like what they were gonna do. But really after the first or second practice, um, Brett Brown says that uh, Ben's been playing exclusively at the floor, and Shake Milton has gotten the point guard reps. Then Joel Embiid right afterwards says that um, that Shake has been the starting point guard and it looks like that's gonna be the thing. Um, I don't, your thoughts, questions concerns uh Where about time i mean this is what yeah
1: i again i just could not care less about what we're labeling ben as he's just like a really good basketball player and he'll do a whole sort like a whole host of things when shakes on, on the court like ben's going to bring the ball up like he's going to be versatile if he gets the ball in transition he's going to go um i think but it
0: matters in the way of what he thinks i think like sure. i and, if, he, and if he's bought in. in,
1: right? And if he's bought yeah, into this right. kind of thing, then great. I mean, for me, it is uh, Ben in the half court without a uh, without the threat of pulling up and hitting a shot. Uh, it was always making it weird. It was always making the spacing weird, despite the fact that their offense was still good with him and Embiid on the court. It there is a there was just so much more potential that we were not hitting, right?
0: And so, especially in the playoffs against good yeah, defensive teams.
1: Yeah, because right. in the playoffs last year, things weren't really working, and Brett mm-hmm. basically just handed Jimmy the ball and said, let's just run pick-and-roll with Jimmy when it counts. Um, so, yeah, so the idea that that we're we're doing, I wouldn't say, a similar thing. Shake and Jimmy are not the same kind of player. Um, Shake is yes, much Shake's more willing. Yeah, Shake's a good shooter. Shake's a good shooter, uh, also a, a sweeter boy. Um, yep. It is it's a it's a really good step and uh i i was ben is too good to just be like draymond but he's also like i i don't think we i I think there's we're too focused on labels like i just don't care about it i want ben to do everything because he can do everything and if he's if we're screening and rolling with him and he's in the short roll and he's attacking the offensive glass and he's i'm not even gonna say if he starts shooting whatever who cares um but like he's an excellent player and an intuitive player and allowing him to operate more in space and sort of just like find holes and be activated either through screening or off the ball or making quick decisions as a on the short roll like that's exciting and also shake is great he's really really good and I don't think that there's it wasn't like he was doing Ricky Davis stuff uh, when he was successful towards the end of last this season Um, he's a really good player like he's he's, his he's not gonna shoot like 60% from three but the shot is real uh he's a solid ball handler he's long enough on defense to hang in there um he's a pretty good passer intuitive player like has a level of shiftiness I I just think this is a a long time coming it is you know good on Brett for going he's out, out of the rotation and then even though it's been many months, like a couple games later, basically going from he's out of the rotation to he's our starting point guard. Um, but I think this is a, a positive thing for the team for Shake. Hopefully for Ben, if he's if he's invested in that.
0: I agree with everything that you said. Um, I I think uh, like look at the very least, even if they even if they didn't make this statement. I agree with you in the, what we're calling him, but it is significant to them because they have roles. Like, it, at least to the team, it is significant them saying they've been playing him at four. Like that is significant. Whether, what we call the positions, like what we're talking about is duties and skills, Mm -hmm. and like obviously they have different duties between those two people. Mm -hmm. Um, And right, and and look, even uh, because of what Ben is, you don't really want a typical super dominant point guard guy probably because as long as Ben isn't shooting, he's going to have to have the ball a lot to be effective offensively as well because, because part, of, part of having him as point guard, the advantage there was that, like, he's not the open guy in the corner. He's the guy with the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think it is important in buy-in and all of that. I still think—and and, and look, him having Sheik Milton on the court rather than Al Horford with Ben Simmons, even if they didn't change duties, puts another creator on the court and another shooter on the court— can't do anything but help what said, I will say though oh,
1: sorry. oh go ahead I was just going to comment on how many times you said duties
0: duties D-O-O-D-I-E-S Great. is what I'm talking about right Great. so uh, what I will say though is that the, the sort of complicated thing here is that there isn't really a four in the league that doesn't shoot standstill three corners <laughs> there, there isn't you know but there's and, not a point guard either so I guess it doesn't make right. a difference Right. Um, So, so like, and which is why I actually believe that he will shoot them down there. I don't think he's going to shoot three or four a game, but I think he's going to shoot them more than he, he was because I think it's going to come to him in a more natural rhythmic way. And I do think the empty that like, and I, I promise this isn't me trolling or anything. I think the empty gym is going to help in that respect. Um, but but that said, like his what he's doing, in, I I don't think he's going to screen and roll every time. And and by the way, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy that it's shake. It's also like a team that has championship aspirations with essentially a rookie point guard or whatever too. And like he's a good creator and he's a good passer, but he's not like great. So um, he. This is still sort of complicated in Mm -hmm. that Embiid is still a a player that likes to be near the rim. Uh, It's still complicated in that power forwards in the NBA shoot three-pointers, stand still three-pointers. I mean, every team they go against will have a guy that does that. And then the other thing I would say is that, boy, I wish we had made this decision before we gave $280 million to two power forwards. Sure. Two. Tobias Cyrus and Al Horford. And Ben, now. Oh, and Ben. Yeah. Well, aside from those two. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, so I would agree. I would agree with you. I think. Um, like it just might, it might have been a more natural thing to chase Brogdon down. Oh man, 100. The uh, right. The
1: thing I said about labels. I. I guess I was talking more about how. We in. The media and the public talk about labels. Like I do think that. It matters to the players, like clearly, mm-hmm. as far as like a defined role goes. Friggin' Glenn Robinson got here on a horse and buggy and was complaining about his lack of a role or a defined role
0: pretty quickly into well, his tenure. And and by the way, it was always been important to Simmons, like yeah. there, there's, you know, I am a starting point guard. Were quotes from Ben Simmons before his first season with right. the Sixers. Well, so that's that, and that's that means something. Th- that's
1: because Brett handed him the ball, and the the quote from Brett about saying like, well, he didn't. We didn't have anybody else. We, were, we didn't have. So, you know, TJ Slander aside, we didn't have Chris Paul or Damian Lillard, I think is who he said, uh, to block him from being point guard. So we just handed him the ball and said, go be point guard. Um, now, I mean, I he played he played power forward them. at LSU and a lot of power forward at in high school. Um, I don't think he's just going to be like, all right, now I'm strictly a power forward. He's still going to be handling the ball a lot. He's still going to be making mm-hmm. a lot of the decisions. They're still going to give him the ball a lot in transition and tell him to go start stuff. The thing I'm excited for, and not just that he's going to be you know, it's going to be a shake, Ben pick and roll, or shake Josh pick or Josh Ben pick and roll, uh, or Tobias Josh Ben pick and roll um, on the ball. I, I'm excited for Ben screening off the ball as well because right. he's a really intuitive right, right. player. And imagine him with like uh, JJ would be a better option, but Corkmaz or if Ryan Brokoff comes, we we talked about Ryan a little bit last time, but his wife has coronavirus, so uh, and she's I think is she pregnant or I think they have a young child. Young child. Um, yeah. And so who, so who knows there. But uh, Ben's screening for a capable, quick shooter. All of a sudden, the guy covering Ben has to jump out on the shooter. Now Ben's cutting hard to the rim, and that's decision. So, like, the big guy's either got to be like, okay, Ben's getting a lob here or Korkmaz is getting an open three. So that, I think, opens the offense up and keeps them activated while either Embiid is screening or Embiid's posting up. Like, this has got to happen all, all at once. Like, you watch the Sixers' offense – and uh, Michael Connor was talking about it last time. Compared to uh, Toronto and Milwaukee against each other, against the Sixers, it's actually not this way, and it has hasn't been this way because the Sixers did cover people pretty straight up. But against other teams, the Sixers have a way to make of making things like really ugly and grimy. But the Sixers themselves mm-hmm. are ugly and grimy on offense. Like the ball's not humming along. Like early Brett Brown, the ball was moving. Passes King. Like they kept talking about that. That is no, That has not been the case this year or last year. Um, aside from the JJ and situation Um, and just the idea that of an offense sort of moving together and now that they have you know time to practice it my hope is that they can actually feel like this is a fluid offense they're passing they know their options it's not just you know Tobias getting the ball with like 12 left on the shot clock and his like okay I'm gonna like stare I'm gonna Carmelo my my guy down look at him for a while and pull up from like 16 uh, my hope is that there's a little bit more fluidity, which there is when Ben posts up, but there's not when Embiid posts up. It's a lot of standing there. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that the time and shake and Ben being a more active and willing screener on and off ball will allow them to uh, just have a better looking offense, which we just haven't had since, I guess, Simmons' rookie year, really.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you on ball. Like, I think people think about theoretical pick and rolls rather than real pick and rolls. And like the the idea of Ben as a screener and diving to the rim every time mm-hmm. is a like very taxing. B he's not a good like free throw shooter, and I don't. And C the other thing is is that the starting lineup still does not include around them like dead-eye three-point shooters. You know, there's Josh Richardson and Tobias. Like, it's fine, but it's not like the world— it's not like Houston when when they had Harden and Capella and the world opens up because you're so frightened of everybody else around the perimeter. So I do—I think that's a really good point about him screening off ball, which he should have been doing and he did some anyway. Mm-hmm. Like he would do that thing where he would he'd would bring the ball up, get rid of it right away, and then sort of go to the break and set a screen around there for somebody curling around. Right. So I think the, the um, you know the lineups that have, like however long they can survive with Shake and Furkan and somebody, you know, so there's at least a couple of shooters that mm-hmm. people are frightened of on the court would yeah. be helpful. I
1: agree. I what you watch Ben. Especially in the playoffs last year, you watch him kind of let Jimmy operate, and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to be the offensive rebound guy and the hustle guy," which he was fairly successful at and made some nice plays out of. Um, he certainly wasn't like a zero factor, but it, I, I know you know the quote is that he didn't wish want to hang out in the dunker spot all the time. The thing that I'm interested in seeing how he is off ball when he's when he's either when he's screening or when he's not is how does he move? Like he's not a he has a little bit. Obviously, there's a lot of LeBron in him, but. When LeBron doesn't have the ball, he's kind of just like standing there sometimes and like kind of looking. A lot of
0: catching his breath. Yeah. Yeah, And just like looking around. Pointing out. Yeah. Right.
1: Assessing the court and stuff. I I think a lot of times when you are the primary, when you've been the primary player your whole life, you don't, you're you're just body naturally like within the game. You're kind of just following the ball along rather than. Like I'm spacing the floor, I'm a weapon out here, that kind of thing. So there's there are times in the playoffs last year when you saw Ben, he's kind of just wandering around, he's not uh, moving with purpose all the time when he mm-hmm. doesn't have the ball. Yep. And so I'd be interested to see. Okay, is he actually like foul line extended, spreading out to three, or is he actually in the corner ready to like pull from there, or is he screening or hitting the offensive glass hard? It's interesting. I mean, I I yeah. The idea of Ben as an offensive rebounder is interesting. Obviously, Embiid is a good offensive rebounder as well, but um, I think he's he's so intuitive as a player and as a, a has a nose for the ball and is incredibly athletic that it'd be interesting to lock him in that way of like rolling both to catch lobs and to be the short roll guy and also to be positioned for offensive rebounds so ha- so he can you know punish people down there. Uh, Liberty Ballers had a a Moses Malone video that they edited about like how good of a rebounder he was because he's forgotten oh. about as far as as far as that goes. And it was like just watching Moses operate and like use his body to and length and just in, in instincts to like tip the ball to himself and, and punish people on the offensive boards it's really his like m- only real elite NBA skill. Um was impressive and I think Ben has not a Hall of Fame level offensive rebounding, but has some of that in him. And I'd be interested to see if they unlock that. And if he's, if he has like purposeful movement off ball, uh, how much this team would be, the offense would be able to, you know, be more efficient because it just hasn't been most of the season.
0: And the, uh, the offensive reba- rebounding stuff comes along with not being afraid to get fouled as well. Yeah. You know, and Moses was averaging fucking 20 rebounds a game, like yeah. 26 points. Uh, totally but, a different thing, but yeah. Yeah, but 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 truthfully, like, if you can get offensive rebounds, you can get points. Like, it's just, it's an easy way to get points, whether you're getting fouled or whether you're, you're getting putbacks. It's an easy way to do it. Um, the reason
1: why people don't do it so much anymore, why offensive rebounding is not a, much of a skill, is because people value getting back on defense. But Ben is so fast that he can go after offensive rebounds and get back and affect the
0: play so he's not just, like, lagging behind, you know? Right, Ricky Sanchez. Podcast is presented by, as always, DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook, baby. After uh, they announced that Ben was going to play power forward and Shake Milton was going to uh, play point guard, I ran to the app to see if the odds have changed at all. Uh, for the Sixers championship and and as of yesterday. No, hold on. Let me look to see if today Sixers now let's see team futures Championship winner Sixers still at 2800. Hmm. So no nothing's that's, changed That's it. So that's an edge. Yeah, that's Look, there's value there. There's value. The plus 2,800 to win the championship and still plus 900 to win the, uh, the Eastern Conference, along with the, heat. the Heater also plus 900. Pacers still plus 3,300, and that hasn't changed with the, uh, the rumor that Oladipo might play now because he had a couple of good practices. Look. DraftKings Sportsbook is the presenting sponsor of the Ricky. We trust and love DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, As sports begin to come back, baseball next week, we're going to get all sorts of baseball odds. There's Phillies championship odds there. There's over-under. I think their over-under for wins was 31 and a half. Um, And the great thing about DraftKings Sportsbook, there's a reason it is the number one rated sportsbook app in the app store. It's because it's the best one. Right here, it's not one of these overseas books. You can deposit money whenever you want, you withdraw money whenever you want. It's right there in your bank account like almost immediately. Uh, and if you don't want to bet on sports, if you feel like uh, you don't have enough edge, you go into the casino, the DraftKings casino. This casino games is roulette and blackjack and all that stuff. So we uh we love DraftKings sportsbook and has supported every charity thing that we've done um since they've come on as a sponsor. So we really love DraftKings. Um Download the DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino app now. Oh, and by the way, the line on the first Sixers game, still it's still opened at Sixers minus four uh, against the Pacers, and now it's Sixers minus four and a half. So uh, I imagine when they get the Ben Simmons news, it'll be minus nine, minus nine and a half, something mm. like that. Um, download the DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino app now and use the promo code RTRS to play up to $200 of casino games risk-free that is promo code RTRS to play risk-free up to $200 for your first 24 hours of casino play on DraftKings Sportsbook. And there's the pool. These The uh, Sixers Orlando Ricky hostage pool, all over-unders, free to play. Doesn't cost you one cent. Um, just got to be in PA, and you can win 500 bucks if you pick the over-unders right. Would you change your Ben Simmons over-under two-and-a-half threes made? No. Uh, you wouldn't? You'd still say under? No. Come on. Why had over? You you still have under? I'm going to have I, I don't
1: believe that you have over. I think this is a this <laughs> is a, a trick that they're asked, like DraftKings has asked you to do over so you can <laughs> play it up or something. That's an <laughs> no. insane bet.
0: Just go to our, go to our, uh, our uh, website to sign up for that, uh, for that pool right now. Free to play, 500 bucks is, goes to the champion. Uh, for DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Penn National Racecourse. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back to the Ricky. I believe we're being joined by, uh, by one Larry Hughes. Can you hear us? Oh,
2: guys, am I early?
0: Yay, that's no, okay. this is
2: uh, yeah, that's okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure I was working before you know one thirty hits, so I can <laughs> jump right. back off jump back on in a couple of minutes if that
0: works for you guys. I, I mean, we're ready if you're ready. Right, we can yeah. just keep rolling. Oh, good. I like to be on time. I don't want to be late. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, so uh, so welcome, Larry Hughes. I, I we felt bad because um, you know a couple months ago, your podcast partner uh, for Believe in Wizards, Matt, sent us an email. And, uh, and I was talking to Mike after we, we read his email on the pod, and I was like, you know, I'd like to get Larry on the pod, but I really just kind of want Larry on the pod. I don't want really Matt. And so we, we thought about it for a little while. Not that I don't like Matt, but you, you were a sixer, you, you know. Um, so we, we took a little while, but we finally got you. We're, we're honored to have you.
2: Oh, good. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So you guys got to thank Matt, man, because he, he was working on you guys' behalf. <laughs> uh, um,
0: you know, as far as the scheduling,
2: it's kind of tough. Uh, but he was yeah. he was definitely working and keeping uh, keeping this in front of me. So you guys better better thank him.
1: There you we go. Will. We, we will. We will. So you've been you've been out of the league for since twenty twelve, right? That was your last season in here. That's correct. Uh, how has how has it been in retirement? I think you know we know when people are on tv all the time you see like okay they're transitioning to retirement but there's so many players that were you know all-star all-star all level or close then they retire and you're like well what are they what are they doing what's their lives like so how, how's it been for you
2: uh for me uh i definitely took some time away from basketball um that was really just being in the gym shooting or any thought process around working out so i took uh, at least like two years uh from the time i stopped playing i think i was kind of burnt out In in, in some way, but I really just uh, jumped into the family life. Man, I have um, kids uh, that are in college, and I had kids that were in high school at the time. Uh, But it was a really important time for me to to show presence and and make sure that uh, the guidance was there uh, for for my kids. So that's really what I've been doing is making sure that my my family and my kids were uh, were whole. And then I've jumped into the community space where I'm just. You know, I'm just a a mentor. I'm just an outlet um, to our community. And I use basketball now uh, to help teach, you know, skills and drills, basketball development. But there's also character development mixed in that. So I'm still involved with basketball, but I did take some time off uh, to make sure that I, you know, addressed all of my family's and my kids' needs. And now I'm just kind of in the community, man, just kind of being a voice to, to really help out.
0: I wanted to ask you, so you have the the Larry Hughes um, Basketball Academy and like, does that, you, you see in movies sometimes um, whether it's like a, a fictional coach or a fictional player and it's always going back to the sport with kids that sort of reignites what they actually liked about the sport in the first place. Do you feel like that it has done that for you?
2: That is. Uh, that, that's really a, a good point because if you talk to anyone that's Uh, been in my gym or been around me uh, while I'm in the gym working out with the young people, I gravitate towards those that are are less developed because I understand their journey. Like I know how hard it is um, to play basketball at a high level. And a lot of these kids obviously want to play at a high level. um, But some of them don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to show that they don't understand or have it all down pat. So for me, it's like really... Uh, gravitating towards those young people, man, because I, I know, you know, how hard this sport really is. And to be, you know, three feet out there shooting at a, you know, we raised the, the hoops down, but shooting at a, a 10-foot basket. You know, that's that's a challenging situation. So, um, you know, really working with the young people because I understand the journey that they're on.
0: Uh,
1: you play with Iverson. I know that everybody probably asks you about this. But <laughs> let's hear it. You were a 19-year-old kid came out of, out of St. Louis after one year. You played with Iverson for a year and a half. What's that like for you?
2: It was cool for me, man. We had similar backgrounds. Um, we were connected off the court you know, way before we were connected on the court. Our families had similar backgrounds, uh, so we just had that connection. We were dealing with siblings uh, that were having some some health issues, so our conversation is like starting out from the time we met my, my little brother, who's passed away, uh, who suffered from a heart uh, defect actually met Alan before I did. Uh, they went up to Philadelphia and met him at Fridays just on a random night. And our relationship started there because he took such of a of a liking to my little brother. Um, and then, so he treated me as a little brother as well. So, you know, my, my little brother helped break the ice. And then once I got around him, I mean, he just had both arms open for me. So, you know, I was driving his cars. Uh, he was you know, taking care of all my incidentals. He was taking care of all the meals, uh, our nightlife situation. He was taking care of all the nightlife situations. So he really treated me like a, like, like a brother, man. And, um, and we were only teammates for that short period of time. Uh, but we've been friends for, for way longer. So we built a good relationship.
1: Did you like the, the flight brothers nickname moniker?
2: I, I did. I did. I, I think, I mean, it was going around in the space, but, but, uh, but Miss Ann, I mean, Ann, she like, I don't know if she came up with it, but she was really using it. You know, <laughs> Alice's mom, she was really using it. And, you know, I respected her so much. So anything that she put out on the table, I was like, yeah, that's us. Flight buttons. Throw it up. I'll go get it.
0: <laughs> so- it was always the thing, like with Iverson here the entire time, is like, oh, well, like, who are you gonna put with Iverson? And and then like when when people look back on it, they're like, well, you never had another person who could score, and, and so on and so forth. And you two only played for that short time together. Do you ever, like, how do you think it would have gone had you been here longer? Like, what would what would the Hughes and Iverson thing? How could that have grown?
2: I think we would have jailed and started to understand each other's game better. Um, you know, we both had a, a prowess for stealing the basketball and, and then getting in transition. Uh, so that dynamic of, of taking your defense to your offense to create easier shots, I think we could have uh, benefited from that. But we also had Tim Thomas there. Uh, it was there my first you know year after that lockout. And that's another guy that if we just had some time, uh to grow and to mature like we were young like we were young and we had an a older coach in larry brown who wanted things done a certain way that we were just still learning but if you think of of myself and and, and alan and then you know tim thomas i mean we could have carried some things you know in, in, into the next you know in, into the next phase uh to obviously help you know the hall of famer like alan out
1: how was uh playing for larry brown as a teenager basically
2: you know what? It was a, it was a, a learning experience. I it bet was, it was different for me. All right. It was different for me. I mean, I came from a, from an older coach, uh, in spoon hour from, from St. Louis university, mm-hmm. uh, but spoon was from a, from a small town, man. And it was just a, it was a different vibe. Uh, but you know, LB, I, I learned a lot from, from LB. I learned, um, you know, understanding of the game and, and how I know that I learned a lot from LB is that when I'm working with the young people today, I'm now regurgitating some of the things that he was saying to me. I'm now saying them to the young people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just as, a, as an education piece, you may not like what someone is saying, but some way, if, if, if the information is good, it'll stick with you and you'll start to use it, you know, w- without even knowing it. So I always give uh, props to LB uh, and just up until recently, I mean, we were talking a couple times a month um, just because he's been a, a great uh, mentor for me and again, you guys follow me. You know that I played a short time with them again in Charlotte with the Bobcats, and it was kind of a hand pick hand situation uh, to help that team, um, you know, start to build a playoff you know playoff culture.
0: You know, when I hear Larry Brown doing interviews, and uh, Iverson is is here a lot, and when I when I hear him, you hear people like start to chill out over age and gain perspective and become like. I hear a different Larry Brown today than I heard 25 years ago. And, like, I hear a different AI today than when he played here, obviously. Um, do you see that, too, as, as you, you deal with these people who you dealt with when you were 20, here 20 years later? Um, you've grown, they've grown. Have you noticed that in them? As oh, well completely. As
2: Com- completely. I Man, I think it's all about perspective and, and really evaluating, you know, the space that you're in at that time. Um, and and understanding that we all have an ability to grow. And those of us that, you know, make that jump and start to understand, you know, just just the different personalities that you'll come with, whether it be a coach or whether it be a general manager or whether it be a teammate. I mean, we all come from so many different places. We all come from so many different walks of life. It just takes perspective to understand, like, where everybody's coming from. Like, I'm from, obviously, the inner city of St. Louis and went one year... of of college, and I practiced like half the time and went to school for like four months. So there was a lot that I needed to learn uh, becoming a young man. And some of the things that I didn't want to hear at the time were probably things that I needed to hear at the time. Um, So it is about, you know, taking a look back and and putting perspective to to everything that happens. I mean, everything that happens now, I like to put myself in that person's shoes so I can try to understand, you know, how that person is walking.
0: Right. Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by... And I'm finally, we get to say this, uh, Process Realtor, Adam Kasebe, that's K-S-E-B-E, the official realtor of the process, go to processrealtor.com, getting you a house at the Delaware beaches um, where prices are fucking great now, mortgage rates are super low, as I mentioned, Adam hooked me up with his uh, mortgage guy, I'm refinancing, Getting he can hook you up with that sort of stuff. Um, or uh, he can give you referrals. to Now, he's, he's only licensed in Delaware, but that doesn't mean you only go to him for Delaware. He is your trusted realtor for whatever you need. So if you buying a house in PA, sell in a house in PA, buy in a house in Jersey, wherever you are, he can hook you up with the right person. But here is the thing that I'm very happy to announce. Uh, now that the house is closed, I need you to know. Here we go. I need you to, it, all right. I, I need you to listen right now. So, Adam sold a house to a Ricky listener. Uh, It is in, let's just say it's in Delaware. I don't want to say what town this person is in. Uh, The celebratory first person that has bought a Delaware beach house from Adam, a rights to Ricky Sanchez listener, is named Adam Silver. That's right. (laughs) Of course it is. Ah. So it's not the Adam Silver, or at least I don't know that he's the Adam Silver. I haven't seen a picture of him yet, but uh, I was talking to him, just closed uh, July 7th, so congratulations, Adam. And I said, you know, I offered to do the podcast from whoever bought the first house from Adam Kasabi. And he was like, yeah, why don't we wait on that, though? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no interest. I just liked the house. (laughs) Don't need you in the house. Don't need anybody extra in the house. Um, But he's very happy. He said Adam did a really awesome job, um, and he was, uh, like— you know, like we talk about these big purchases, engagement rings, and the uh, when we're talking about cornblow, and a house is fucking the biggest purchase you're gonna make, and that's why you need a good dude like Kasabi, and that's why, even if you're not buying a house in the Delaware beaches, if you're buying a house anywhere, selling your house, is the guy you wanna reach out to. He's there to help you. Um, 302-864-8643 is the phone number. You can call it, you can text it. You can email him, adam at processrealtor.com. That's adam at processrealtor.com. Um, as I've mentioned before, the, the houses in Delaware, I think uh, Adam Silver told me, by the way, it's another Adam, which is fucking strange, but uh, Adam Silver told me that his uh, his uh, yearly uh, property taxes are just over $1,000, which mm. is wild. So. Sounds
1: like something a snake would say.
0: Yep. <laughs> Not Dave Silver, but Adam Silver. So uh, Adam Casabi, uh, the official realtor of the process. Back to the Ricky. You know, you mean, you know, oh, sorry. Just let me follow up on one thing, because you you mentioned, we've talked about you coming into the league as a teenager, and AI comes into the league at the same thing, and then dealing with, you know, millions of dollars, and uh, like veteran coaches and all this, and the league recently has started to, you know, move toward a system where uh, a high-ranking player can come out, and instead of going college, going right to the G League, and maybe get paid a little more. How, you know, it, it must have been tough coming to the league at that age, is there a way, like, what would be the best way to do that? Because well, it's it's probably not college for three years, but, you know, but it's probably also not going to the league right away, too.
2: Yeah, that's, that's an interesting deal, man, because you think of just the other outlets and the other opportunities that, you know, young people have to explore their career or explore their journey, and it has to be to each his own because, again, like I said, we all come from so many different backgrounds, so you don't know exactly what sort of information or what the actual preparation was uh, for that athlete, you know, finishing up high school or or, or going into college. And I think it is a, um, it's an interesting dynamic. I think now they're tracking kids, you know, you got some third and fourth grade ranking boards. I mean, you got, you know, all of these media clips and all of this information that the the NBA league is actually tracking these guys uh, sooner than they were, back then. I mean, they're now down into sixth grade at real evaluations for potential pro prospects. So, with, with that, I think that you have to allow those guys the opportunity because you can't say that you were watching me in sixth grade and then when I'm twelfth grade, you know, now I'm not ready. When sixth and seventh grade, you were talking about so much potential that I had. So, it's a it's a fine line, you know, that that we walk.
1: Is it, is it just a you know, you said um, that you wish that you had given the team had given you and Allen and Tim Thomas more time to grow because you guys were so young. Um, do you think that that's a problem as far as uh, NBA teams go? Is that there's so much, you know, you, the Sixers in the last couple of years, there's been like eight iterations of the team. Like they had the the like Dario and Covington with Ben and Embiid, and then JJ, and then like Jimmy and Tobias, and now like Tobias and Horford, and everything is just like, and then Fultz. It's like it's. This isn't working, this isn't working, this isn't working, but it, it's tough. They're not, there's basically not enough continuity to go through it. Do you think that's a problem within the league or just like the way that you have to just scrap things and, and find things that work right away?
2: Well, I think it could potentially be a problem. I mean, you have to have great leadership and management. Um, continuity is a, is a huge thing. When players are comfortable in their environment and their situation, they perform better. I think that that could be said across the board for, for anyone um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't always look for the for the shiny new toy, right? I mean, the, the shiny new toy uh, is, is not always the best option. I mean, something that's broken in, something that's used, something that's tried and tested, um, sometimes is the better option. And I think what we do, um, you know, within the league is that, obviously, you have the draft boards and the potential of prospects that are coming in. So the younger and younger you identify these guys, you know, in 10th and 11th grade, these general managers, this management team, they're eyeballing these same guys. So they're just looking for the next opportunity to grab that guy because of, you know, the potential that's been tracked with a certain player. So I think it is about, you know, teams really always looking for the shiny new toy as opposed to, you know, refining and retooling the things that they have. Um, I mean, if I'm a general manager, that's, that's kind of how I'm operating with a good mix of young talent, but, the tried and tested veteran crew has is, is, is been consistently the way to get things done.
1: Because like even with even with Iverson, right? It was always Spike mentioned like, who's going to be his number two guy? Who's going to be the guy next to Iverson that can ease some of the scoring load, but also shoot and also defend? Because Iverson can get picked on defensively, even though he was great getting in the passing lanes. And you went through they when they went through Stackhouse, Keith Van Horn, Tim Thomas, you, Tony Kukoc, Matt Harpring, Kenny Thomas, old ass Glenn Robinson, old ass Chris Webber. And, like, the only thing that ever really worked so much as that one team was so unique and strange in that it was Iverson and a bunch of guys who had no interest in shooting whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, what, why, why do you think that is? And how do you, if you're a general manager, would you build around Iverson today? That kind of thing.
2: Yeah, it's different today. Like, you, you didn't really see a guy, I mean, you know, he was special. He was a talent, and you had to try to figure out what that code was because, again, you have under other professional players playing alongside of Allen, and those players also have goals and things that they want to accomplish in the league as well. Right. And, you know, some of those things, you know, those things are are, are tied to putting the ball in the basket. In the, in the basket. <laughs> Let's just face it. I mean, we want to play D, but at the end of the day, that's why the rules have changed to this offensive game is because you get more accolades, you get more stats, you get more dollars if you put the basketball in the hole. So I think it is different, um, of it just a change in times with information of how, you know, how uh, guys are represented. You know, what makes the most sense for a championship team? Is it, you know, one leader? Well, you can no longer have just one leader now, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have at least three that can put the ball in the hole. So that sort of formula, even though it worked for those guys and worked for Allen, that formula wouldn't work today. And I think it is when you build around Allen, and I think in this day and age, you would go bigger, right? You would put guys that are bigger than him that can handle the basketball and shoot the ball versus someone that's the exact same size because then you get into – you know, who's going to bring it up or who's going to play the point or who has the point guard uh, tag on them. So, you know, it, it's um, – they don't pay me those big bucks just yet, but I think that there's a formula <laughs> to work around a guy that ex, is so um, explosive that can put the ball in the basket uh, at a high rate. I think, you know, in this day and age, there is an opportunity to, to put, you know, high-level talent around them um, via big threes or big fours or whatever it's going on now.
0: It's wild to think, so you played with LeBron 15 years ago, and then you turn on the TV, and then there's still there's LeBron, who is, if not the best player, like one of the three, or you know, however, well, like, do you, ever, do you ever look at him on TV and go, wait a minute, that was a decade and a half ago, and he's still there doing this? It's, it is wild, right?
2: It, it, it is, uh, but again, his preparation, uh, his thought process of wanting to be uh, the greatest of all time, you can see it. I mean, he's, he's not going to give up. I think with, with, with Brian, too, is, is, I mean, I guess you guys probably recognize, but he, he, he hardly ever hits the floor. And to play really? 17, 18, 19, 20 years, that is a skill. Um <laughs> So not only with his passing, with his shooting, with his ability to make everyone better, his ability to stay off the floor is – I'm amazed at that as well because I know that that um, factors into your longevity and then it also factors into, you know, the things that you can continue to accumulate uh, as you play. But he he was a specimen then, man. He was – you know, he talked to everyone. He listened to everyone that would talk to him. Uh, he studied the game. Uh, you know, he kept his his devices as far as you know, watching film, whether it would be on the plane, or on the road, uh, in the locker room. So he was very, you know, very much a student of the game, and that just all that stuff combined with information from the game, information of taking care of your body. Um, you know, I
1: got him playing at least another three years, man.
0: Wow,
1: I, I mean, Iverson couldn't have been more opposite. He spent about seventy-five <laughs> yeah. percent of the game on the ground
0: yeah
2: yeah I mean you can see what it did to him at the end you know at the end I mean not if if he didn't feel like he was damaged other teams felt like he was damaged and Mm so the fact of he got bumped around so much but that was his style of play that's how he was able to get into the spots that he was able to get into but you know from the outside looking in it was like if you talk to coaches and general managers it was that he got bumped around a lot and he stayed on the floor uh and that kind of factored into you know late in his career
1: we we talked a little bit about about your game then and, and and the game how it's changed but you shot 15% from 3 in your friend your rookie year. and you grew out to be a 38 39% shooter for a few seasons but at the time it is like the idea that playing with a a ball dominant point guard and you're getting somebody who's like who's one of his you know super athletic great on defense long but like not you weren't built as a shooter coming in. How would your game be different today if you if you if you were coming into the league now?
2: Uh, it's different. The game is played different. I mean, we're, we're teaching now. We're teaching more space. Uh, when I was coming up, we were teaching um, get the bucket the best way you know how. Um, if someone can't stay in front of you, figure out you know using your first step. When I was coming out, your first step was huge because guys were so strong and they would hold you off. You couldn't maneuver. I mean, you couldn't get four or five dribbles. You know, going east, you know, east and west. I mean, you, you know, I mean, north and south. You know, you would have to go east and west. Um, so the, the the game is different. And I think, as you said, like as you get older, I think you shoot the ball better uh, and more. If you you put more focus on that, I didn't necessarily put a lot of focus on that until I got into the league and understood how far that damn line was <laughs> away. Right? I mean, I didn't realize how far that line was. I mean, I, right? I'm coming one year out of college, uh, fresh out of high school. <laughs> um, but it is just, just really, just training your body uh, and muscle memory to understand what the distance is, you know. And at forty-one, I mean, I can shoot those threes now uh, with my eyes closed. I can get the distance whether I make them or not. But it is just, you know, just muscle memory uh, and really working on you know that facet of, of, of your game. And I didn't necessarily. I, w- I would admit that I didn't spend the time. Um, you know, as far as from distance, like your one, two dribble, pull up, getting to the elbow. I mean, I watched MJ and that's where you I mean you got to get to the elbow. Right. So that's where my focus was at. It was more in the mid range as opposed to, uh, you know, shooting a three ball.
0: You talk about the difference between college and NBA I, the three point line. If, if the if you're listening and you haven't tried to shoot an NBA three, it's really far. I mean, like, if you're not used to shooting that, it's almost like it's impossible to shoot it with the same mechanics as you shoot the the other one. And getting used to that, I mean, it's really, really far. I I I can't even I can't express that enough. It's a shocking difference. Yeah,
2: it's 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 reality. It's reality, and you can shoot it once or twice, you know, in a comfortable form. But you know, go around the horn, taking you know, making ten spots at each you know at each spot from five spots. I mean, that's you know, fifty threes made and you know, that's where you can start to see, you know, how accurate you really shoot the basketball. We,
0: we through this have watched and we have one player now that we, in Simmons that we talk about a lot with shooting. And maybe this answer is simple, but maybe it's not. You're like, what do you work on? You became a better shooter as you went on. And we've through, we've been doing this podcast for seven years. So we've Mm -hmm. seen a lot of development projects with the Sixers and with most of them, it's like, well, if they can just figure out how to shoot, like every (laughs) single one of them. Mm -hmm. So how, how is it that you become a better shooter? What, what are the steps to take other than just shooting more?
2: Really that's it,
0: and getting comfortable <laughs> with your reps. And I think it's
2: getting comfortable with your makes or your misses. Um, really finding your release point um, and then using all your mechanics, the things that you've learned uh, to engage your legs, you know, to form and follow through. And I, it, it sounds simple, but it takes an awful lot of time uh, to really understand you know, what your release point is. And then how you take that release point of working in the gym by yourself or with the coach, and then you put nine other people around you, uh, with the game moving, with you not catching the ball in the exact you know position that you would want to catch it, or your feet not being in the exact you know in the proper position that you want to you know push off the ground. So all of these things factor in, or somebody flying past you, or somebody poking you in the stomach. Like these are all the things that go on when guys are shooting from long range. Um, that you have to be aware of. And to do it over and over and over um, in a game setting, it's just really about getting up reps and really tuning out uh, the outside noise. of, And again, making sure that you have your coaching staff, making sure that they support you in the shots that you take, making sure that your teammates are have your back on the shots that you take. Um, and then it is about reps because if you're shooting those shots, uh, in the in the gym by yourself or in the gym with your coaches, then you build you know you build they get comfortable with you taking those shots, so you're more comfortable taking those shots within the game as well. So it is shooting mechanics, but there's a lot of confidence uh, mixed in in into that on how you shoot the basketball.
1: All right, most important question, <laughs> Kelly Rowland, Nelly, <laughs> the dilemma video, you play. Kelly Rowland's boyfriend. Uh, Seminal moment in my life, certainly watching that video over and over again. Uh, How did that happen? Uh, How was it for you? I have a million
2: questions. (laughs) It was was cool, man. You know, uh, dude was from from St. Louis, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I was out in Golden State, obviously close to LA. We spent some time in LA and, you know, I had a few people ask if I wanted to be involved with commercials or videos and things of that nature. Uh, and it just so happened that uh, a guy, you know, from from hometown was was getting ready to shoot a video with 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 Kelly Rowland, and they wanted me to play a, a part within that um, within that video. Uh, it was fun. It was a learning experience. It was too damn long for sure. a two and a half minute video. So that was, you know, kind of my first experience of the hurry up and wait uh, sort sort of deal. I got a lot of gear from that video shoot. That's what I remember the most. <laughs> cool. Is our- okay. uh,
1: The our, powder um, blue Chargers jersey.
2: Yeah, the pie, so the throwbacks were popping in. Everybody <laughs> was trying to get their hands on the throwback that nobody else had. Yeah. So I had my pick of, I mean, it was probably 20, 30 throwback jerseys for a day and a half shoot. That's so i just collecting all the jerseys, throwing them <laughs> in my bag. Um, but the it was P. an experience, Rose, man. Pete Rose jersey. Yeah, yeah. The Pete Rose jersey, still got that one hanging up in my closet. That's nice. um, the, um uh, I, the, the Buffalo Braves jersey, I still got that one hanging up in my closet. Um, but it was it was fun, man. It was fun. And that stuff carries. It lives on. I'm 41 now. I get, you know, even kids now that will catch a, You know, a, those videos that come on late. And I'll be like, you know, I know that guy. So it, it was a great <laughs> experience for me, man. People get laughs out of it. Uh, people ask me, oh, "What was it like for him to take your girlfriend?" I'm like, That's right. you know, in real life, never happened. Never <laughs> happened. You know, but it, it was it was a good experience, man. And I, uh, you know, I put on St. Louis.
1: I mean, they're they're dancing. Nelly and, and Kelly are dancing. They're grinding on the street across the street from your house. I mean, do you have <laughs> any notes for the director? Like, hey, man, my character wouldn't be cool with this.
2: I was completely. I was a, completely. A, oblivious to to whatever was going on. Like, I didn't wow. know, like, <laughs> you know, the cadence of anything. I didn't actually know that they shot the videos from from last to first. When I first was, you know, doing the videos, I didn't have any questions because I didn't know what the hell was going on.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so the NBA, they're all, they're all in Orlando now, right? And this yeah. is the happening. So I, I want you to go in depth about your answer, but if I gave you three choices, when you, you, know, you know what you know about being in the NBA, you know what they're trying to do, is your initial reaction, oh, they can do that, is it, I don't know, or is it, there's no way that's going to work? Like, which, which, what's your gut reaction for it?
2: I, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, in, yeah. I don't know in the sense of, okay, I mean... Because I think that those, all those guys are in Orlando. Uh, all those guys are professional. They're basketball players, first and foremost. They're businessmen, um, you know, because they're basketball players. And, you know, if those guys weren't in Orlando, you know, I'd give them two weeks before half of those guys are grouping up together, playing pickup, you know, five right. on five somewhere. So yeah. they're, they're going right. to see each other. here. I mean, they were going to see each other really soon, whether they went to Orlando or not. And this was... They have you know testing. They have the best you know protocols and procedures that are that are out today, and that's kind of how I look at it. Is because I know that they're basketball players that eventually and really soon those guys are going to get out there to start playing five on five. I mean, and this is I think is the best you know best case scenario for the guys that are you know are playing for something and get a chance to really you know win a, win a championship. However crazy it may seem, I mean, you still get a chance to to win a ring and, and five years from now, you may talk about the scenario or the situation, but
0: you'll still talk about that that group has a ring. So, you know, I, I would go for it. The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by the uh, official dog bed of dogs. That's right, Big Barker therapeutic dog pets. Um Mike, I think we've gotten more Big Barker photos, processed photos in the last three months than we have in any three month period we've been doing the pod. I believe um, that. Yeah, Not much just got to two. Do. Yes, get dogs. Get a fucking dog. Um, this this new one we got today is Finnegan. Got a Barker Jr. He is a two and a half month old miniature Schnauzer. And then I got and check out these names. Um, uh, two process pups on the same bed, Liam and Kipton. Hmm. <laughs> it sounds That's British nice. or rich or something like that. One of the two. Liam. Le- Inextricably linked. Yeah, it extremely liked. Um Look, Big Barker is the official dog bed of, of like, us. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. That's where you get the Big Barker dog bed, but you also get the bonus of the two process pup patches. Oh, uh, longtime listener, Steve, uh, uh, LL's wingman, is getting a dog and just got the Big Barker um, dog bed with the process pup patches. And he gets a handwritten le- got a handwritten letter from Eric from Big Barker, the owner, wrote a handwritten letter in the envelope the envelope says TTP on the outside of it Um, these beds are the only real true dog beds on the market they're the only dog beds that are worth resting the love of your life that's right your dog's joints on that bed engineered by real experts to make a real dog bed to support your dog's joints dogs over 50 pounds up to 80% of them develop arthritis as they age Regular dogs, less than 50 pounds, wear and tear. You know, Rebel, I walk them four miles a day. That guy's got some wear and tear. Needs to sleep on a supportive dog bed. You get your, your big barker. You send us a picture of your dog in the big barker. We put him up in the Process Pup Gallery. Um, just, it's legit, man. Like, And you go to the Process Pup Gallery on our website. Just see see that dog resting on that bed compared to the dog bed you have for your dog. You'll see the difference. 10 year warranty, the foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One year at home trial. If for any reason you don't like it, you can return it for a full refund. They'll even pay for shipping. Handmade in the USA, big barker dog beds. Murph! Back to the Ricky. The, uh,
1: the, the Sixers have a rookie named Matisse Theibel who is uh, incredibly uh, special off ball defensively. Gets in passing lanes, long. Uh, challenges shots that you don't think that he can even get to, and he's and he's blocking shots from behind and the coming coming off of the pick and roll. Uh, in 5 four o five, you're playing for Washington. You averaged two point nine steals per game, which is an insane number. Um, led the league, I believe. Um, what's the difference between really good defense and getting steals? A lot of the time, it's it's overlapping, but how, what is what is like you know Matisse is good defensively and, and, and has a nose for the ball, but what's what's it going to take for him to kind of like get to NBA level defense where he's not just tipping the ball and stuff?
2: I think that's the best position to be in. How the league is set up today, you don't you a defender he doesn't get the chance to play defense because he he won't get his he won't get his second bump right if the if the offensive player comes down and he makes that contact. They're not allowing that defender to get his second bump. It's going to be a foul. So being off the ball, uh, help side, um, the ability to contest shots, to make shots difficult, um, to make teams change up certain plays because they may be there may be a pass that's left out there too long or there may be a skip pass that they feel is too long of a pass. These things change the game, and they change the game from a mental standpoint. Um, so I say that it, it is very tough to become a great on-ball defender in today's game. Right. Um, you can do some of that in the post, We're holding guys off so they they don't get too deep. But on the perimeter, I don't think the league is set up to allow guys to shut guys down anymore. Um, and that and that's where you, those guys can benefit from being off-ball defenders and really understanding the concepts and the things that. Uh, the other teams are running and that's a guy that I've actually been watching um, and and really uh, impressed Uh, he's gifted um, in that area of of playing defense and understanding uh, what his opponents are doing um, you know in those concepts
1: what were you doing in that season that that allowed you because the rest of your career I mean obviously always had nose for the ball 1.6 1.9 that kind of steals but 2.9 steals per game is is ridiculous what what about that season allowed you to do that kind of thing was it just the way that you guys were playing in Washington? Uh,
0: I
2: had GA I, I had Gilbert uh, who, who I think I had two nine I think he was he was maybe third or fourth um, you know that year and we fed off each other. Uh, we were um, you know really reading and watching what, what those other teams were, what were doing. So it was just about watching film. I watched a lot of film uh, and un- I understood what was coming next. if the team called out a play, I kind of ran through those scenarios of where the ball was going, who they wanted to get the basketball to, and then I would really position myself in a way to catch the next pass or the next opportunity. And it was, I think if I had to pinpoint one thing, it was really uh, watching film and then getting, um, you know, getting the other team's play calls. So, you know, if those were on the, the scouting report on the board, that helped me uh, as well recognize not only the the, the setup, but also hear what that play was and and be in place uh, to to make it difficult.
0: How many, like what percentage of players in the league put in that kind of work on defense? Like what what is the, what's the breakout? Because we've had guys here like Covington, we found out like just really sunk his entire offseason into that sort of stuff and really took pride in it. What percentage of players care enough to do that?
2: I think it's 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 you know thirty forty I percent. I wouldn't say that it, it's half. I think because the emphasis is on you know scoring the basketball. Uh, even when I work with my young people today, we work on you know defensive concepts within that offensive skill session. So, but there is an awful lot of attention paid to guys that can score the basketball. Um, so I, I think that you know the more sexy thing is is to score, um, and those that want. You know, more of an advantage, more time on the court, uh, more respect uh, from their teammates or from their coaching staff of of everything that you bring to the table. Kind of that, you know, that Swiss Army knife sort of sort of deal where you can score the basketball, too. But you're also going to make it difficult Uh, on on the other end. I think it's, you know, 30, 40 percent of the the guys in the league uh, understand that because our game is getting so global you know, so many people are playing basketball, you have to have these multiple skill sets that are going to allow you to keep your job for, you know, at least 10 years.
1: My my favorite kind of steal to get is when someone's on ball, someone's trying to drive by me, whether it's a crossover or whatever, and I poke it out. I love yeah. that thing. And sometimes I get called for a reach, but they get tired of calling that, so sometimes I just poke it out. Uh, what is your, is your favorite steal to get? Those off ball, like reading the passing lanes out and then... Hit the fast break, or or do you like it when you're when you're really like stripping somebody one on one?
2: Um, man, no, there, there's one A and one B right there. <laughs> um, I definitely like the passing game, the passing lane, um, because again, that shows me that I, I I did my scouting report. I know what play is coming up. I know which which pass is next. I know if a guy is drilling hard right, the amount of time it's going to make take him to pass that ball left. I've kind of calculated that time in, in my head, so. You know, running and you know running through that lane uh, as that ball is coming is definitely something that I think is uh, takes a lot of skill. And then I, I like to come from behind, right? When that guy thinks he's behind you, and my yeah. arms are long, and he's going dominant right hand, and I can reach around with my right hand and snag the ball. I mean, that's you know, that's a highlight
1: reel. Ah, I miss basketball. <laughs> I really miss it.
0: I always think of Mike and Larry Hughes in the same. Right. I'm like I'm like Steeles. I'm thinking of and Mike and Larry That's us. Um so what kind of team do you think in this let's let's say they, they play in Orlando, they get all the way through it. Like what kind of team succeeds in a atmosphere like that? Man. I think
2: I mean, Braun has the has the, the mindset. He has the pedigree. He has the experience. He has the maturity. Uh, I definitely believe he has the mindset because of everything that's weighing on his legacy. So, a team like his, uh, where you have multiple guys, you have all stars, you have a few champions uh, mixed into that, you know, into that group. Uh, I'm going to give those guys the best shot. They've been off for four months. Uh, they're season guys, so they know kind of the build-up to preseason, to regular season, to championship-caliber uh, basketball. And they, I'm sure they know, you know obviously, that rhythm and that cadence to, to get there and be as strong as they can. So I think that that's a group that I feel can modify the schedule and uh, really understand kind of that ramp-up period and be at, at a high level early and sustain that. So I'm picking those guys. Uh, obviously, you know, they were top, you know, in, in the league when they, when they finished off. But just watching interviews and, 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 and reading interviews and understanding what the mindset is, uh, and then that roster that they've created, um, it sets those guys up for success, I believe, from a physical standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint.
1: Do you... Uh... Uh, Minus Brad Beal and Davis Bertans, do you think the Wizards are going to win a game?
2: Uh, I think think they'll win a game. I think Mm -hmm. they'll win a game. I I think (laughs) um, because you don't know once you get started on what the other team is going to look like, um, you know, again, the dynamic of having young players that are hungry, uh, you know, with some seasoned veterans in there with a good management core of really preaching the importance of uh, going out and showing it, you know, showing and proving that you're you're NBA worthy or Washington Wizards worthy worthy It's an audition. So I, I think that, you know with that landscape I think that they'll be able to win, you know more than one basketball game in,
1: in Orlando The the Wizards are kind of the place aside from Beal who's a I, I think one of the 1015 best players in the league um, Kind of where the Sixers were before Embiid and Simmons got there and that like it's a bunch of Bunch of young guys, bunch of kind of journeyman guys. Uh, who who do you like there that you that is maybe not getting talked about enough because the team's not very good that you think could stick in the league?
2: Well, I, I think it's fresh. You know, I think it's fresh. I think Thomas Bryan is a guy that brings you know crazy amount of energy on uh, a game that we play today. A guy that can, uh, can can rotate from three point line to the middle of the paint to protect the basket with some understanding of NBA concepts, you know, both offensively and defensively is a guy that, you know, you know, if he continues to improve, I think he'll, you know, he'll make his way. And, you know, if he's not a starter in this league, he'll be, you know, that next big man to come in. And then Rui, I think is, you know, he's a young guy, you know, got a chance to experience last season. But it was, you know, it was up and down. I mean, you had, you know, Brad, you know, trying to lead the way and show him how to, you know, how to how to win, you know, and how to compete every night more so than win because they were kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. So those are two guys that I think, um, you know, can benefit. And I'm talking about kind of the the bigger guys um, because those guys have a little bit of a, you know, have multiple skill sets that they can bring to the table that I think will help the Wizards more. Um, and then obviously you have, you know, a, a couple of guards that you want to check out with Ish. issues a little bit older, but you know, I just think that, you know, when you have a combination of this situation where you got, you know, you got your G League players coming up. You got your, you know, you know you got Schofield who spent a lot of time in the G but also spent a lot of time getting minutes with the NBA guys. So he's going to come in with a different mindset versus the guys that are kind of been in that, you know, in that G League space. So I think it'll be fun. Um, I, well, I hope it'll be fun for those guys. Uh, to go out and compete and to learn. I think that that should be their goal, is to compete as hard as you can, uh, both mentally and physically, and and then learn as as much as you can to help you uh,
0: because the next season is going to come really fast.
1: Sounds like a professional Wizards podcaster
0: answer. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Do you like doing it? Do you like doing a podcast? How long have you guys been doing it
2: now? Uh, We started, I guess we started right before the pandemic, man. So we were geared (laughs) to talk about... It's yeah, it. we were geared to talk about the X's and O's and the insiders of, of Wizards and how they're performing and what sort of things that, um, you know, we can look behind the curtains and see to, to give to fans. So I like doing it. I wanted to step out uh, a bit from my personality, uh, kind of laid back. And I'll, I'll speak, I'll do interviews. I'm not a social media guy uh, per se, but I just wanted to step out a little bit um, and, and, and expose myself to something that was different for me. Um, and it's been going, it's been going fine. I mean, Matt has been a good, good co-host to the show and he's helped me out a lot as far as, you know, emails and schedules and making sure that, you know, I can just jump on and use my, you know, my expertise, which is, you know, a number of years of, of basketball experience, man. Just try to give people a different perspective and have some fun with it and, you know, talk a little bit of shit and, and, you know, just keep it, keep it fun.
1: Well, if you ever need any... Advice on how to cover a terrible team. We are your guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah, happy to do (laughs) it it anytime.
1: Uh, I need to ask another Kelly Rowland uh, dilemma question. Uh, Do you know the words to that song? Do you know all? Does it like? Do your kids watch that video? Like, what do you got? He's from St. Louis, man. We were
2: pretty much know every every song. I mean, especially (laughs) you know you know from 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 those days, man. For sure. I mean, so my vocals are right right now. Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, I may be able to blow a little bit something for you but no it's um I, I know every word man kelly's part his part um
1: you know it's a good song i love that song it's a good song it, 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 ha- it has
2: um you know it, it has that carry you know it has that carry so we did that like you said we did that almost 20 years ago damn and uh it still has that carry
0: well dude this was a, a joy having you on um, I'll, I'll tell you like there are some players who play in Philly Philly's like a you weren't here very long but um, they they remember you in Philly right and like you are a guy I mentioned to a couple of people where I work I was like hey we're having Larry Hughes on the podcast and they got legitimately excited and here you know you're a player here a year and a half so just know that in Philly you're 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 a Sixer. I know you played for a lot of teams, but in Philly, you'll always be a Sixer.
2: Oh, no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, you know, I've I felt the love. I feel the love. Um, you know, my time there of competing on the court um, and just trying to learn. And you know, I think they understood that I was young, but they understood that I would would go out and compete, and I would fight, and you know, and I would work hard. So I, you know, I think even even the times that I've come back. You know, on on other teams, um, I may have gotten four or five, six boos, maybe. Right? I mean, it, it, you know, normally when you go and you come back, they'll shower you with the boos just because you're not with them. But for me, like, you know, I didn't get many boos even when I came back on different teams, and that just speaks to uh, you know who the Philadelphia fans are. I did some charity stuff, you know, coming back for for Allen's events and things of that nature. Um so it's it's a it's a home, it's a comfortable place for me um, to to visit and to you
1: know, to be. Well there's like there's the, the booing the you know the over overpri overpaid guy who maybe didn't deliver as much as he thought he did, and then there's the like, oh you traded a young guy too soon, and then they're booing the organization. So uh, like when Shamit comes back it's like what the hell? Why'd you trade this yeah. guy? <laughs> so like, you're in that in that boat, I think.
2: I, I, I feel like it. You know, I, I feel like it. I, I feel like, um, you know, that's a place that I could, I, you know, I have people on my social media that, you know, that are from Philly that that, that reach out and send me notes and send me comments. I got a guy in Philly that, that I ordered a bunch of T-shirts from. That's the guy that I met during my playing days. So I, I love, you know, I love what Philadelphia represents. Uh, and it'll always be a, you know, a piece of, of you, know, you know, my career.
0: Uh, Well, thanks. So the podcast is uh, "Believe in Wizards," uh, and it's you and Matt, and it's on everywhere that you get podcasts. And uh, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, Good luck with the the uh, the academy and uh, and everything. Like it's uh, you're a good dude, man. I appreciate you coming on.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Appreciate. I'm glad we could uh, you know make the times work um, and and get everything scheduled on. And sorry for jumping on uh, you know two three minutes early and shutting down what you guys were doing, man. We apologize.
0: Let me tell you, man. If, if if every guest came on two or three minutes early, uh, it would it would be a that's a problem I'll deal we're with. We talk talking We
1: talk enough. We do to see you. Right on. Yeah. Thank right you, Larry.
0: On. Right on. Appreciate you. So a thank you to Larry Hughes. Uh, that was awesome. He's the man,
1: dude. Yeah, he's I the man. I, grew, I you know seminal images in my mind of him being on the receiving end of an Iverson lob. Yeah. Mean, grew up with that.
0: Um, we could use him now, <laughs> honestly. He says he yeah. can still shoot. We could use him. Uh, uh, so thanks to Matt. We we were joking in the middle. Thanks to Matt from Believe in Wizards who lined it up with Larry. Uh, check out the podcast if you want to listen. Starting
1: a Wizards podcast right before a pandemic. It's, just is, a, it's a really uh, confluence of events that you don't want.
0: And by the way, you know Larry is a good dude because he's still doing it. Like if you yeah. didn't have six years built up, there's <laughs> no way. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. yeah
1: I, I think I think I would have blocked your number by now.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, We will have another podcast during the week uh, with a very special guest, uh, two special guests in one week. So um, thanks for listening. Are you down with TTP?
1: Yeah. You know, look, guys. If you don't fuck with me,
2: then I won't fuck with you.
1: If you
0: don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you.
2: If you don't fuck with me,
0: then I, I, I won't fuck, fuck with
2: you. you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you. That's a plan